the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Friday, November 10th edition of The Ride Home. Happy to be with you. Mm -hmm. A gorgeous Friday afternoon. It started out gray and kind of crappy. Mm -hmm. But right now, absolutely perfect. Really very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Very good. It it feels as though we're sort of like the extended version of the so-called Indian summer, which I still believe is okay to say. Yeah, but this is a little cool for it to be Indian summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indian summer, I feel like it needs to be approaching 80, 80 degrees. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so maybe this is just 50-ish. sunny. This is just sunny autumn is what it. I would call it. Anyway, is it too early for me to tell you? Tell me what. Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. Thank you, sir. Our fan in studio mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. It's just a few minutes past the four o'clock hour. At least in this corner of the world, truly all is right and well. Plans for the weekend? Uh, yes, I am going to a uh, tasting for my daughter's upcoming wedding. Oh, oh, oh. oh I've done those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you? Do you? Do you know the episode of Parks and Rec where they go for a tasting? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that tonight? Are you doing a tasting That's this evening? That's uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. after church. Mm-hmm. That's a little pressure because the person who's making the food is sitting there in front of you and yeah, you're passing you judgment, say? right? I don't really like no, that. No, it's the horrible. I mean, that's. How, how did you find the person? Uh, the place where we are, the venue where oh, we're holding the thing has their own caterer. <laughs> so I didn't have to find the caterer. So it comes wonderful. with the deal. Uh-huh. What if you say this is horrible? Then what happens? I don't know. I've exactly. never done this before. I don't right? know what I'm doing. I mean, you know, what if it's like, here's a French bread pizza? Yeah. Or here's, you know, some old... Uh, Listen, pizza. if it was a French bread pizza, I might say yes. I'm not sure. You. You're not I, love serve our your Fran- I love our French bread pizza. Not for your wedding guests. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you having um, like, uh, uh, what, what's the entree? Have you decided that? That's f- no, that's what that's what we're that's like. What this is uh, leading into mm-hmm. is those choices. So it's it's based upon price point. Mm, yeah, of mm-hmm. course, of course it is, right? Yeah, yeah every entree is going to be at a different price point. Yeah, don't get too excited, mm, John. Yeah, okay, that's all right. Bowl of spaghettios. Uh, a bowl I mean, of spaghettios. If your spaghettios showed up, everybody yeah, would be happy. I don't think so. I'm okay. not going to be. I decided I'm not going to be doing any cooking mm-hmm. for this venture. I do a lot of cooking in my life. This is one. Uh, Non-cooking. Non-cooking. So you'll show up as the mother of the bride. I will. No pressure? Nope. Nothing. Mm-mm. Emotional support. Yeah. I'll be the emotional support That's person. That's about it. Right. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think it'll be fine. And it's coming soon? June. Mm. Mm-hmm. Still a long way away. It is still a long A lot can happen away. between That's now right. and then. Speaking of a lot happening between now and then, yes. we have two hours of great programming ahead for you. In the five o'clock hour, mm-hmm. it's the Week in Review. Uh-huh. What's everyone talking about this week? Conversations that made us think. What you eat, what did you listen to, what, what are you are reading? reading? Yeah. What, yeah all all that things. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Best news and some good music. That'll be at 535. Um, also, uh, our good friend Tony Turner back on the program. She's going to talk about gratitude as Very we look nice. forward to Thanksgiving. She thinks it's the pathway to peace. Yes, it is. Um, also, it's Veterans Day. 
tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, but this is the observance of it. Yes, it is. Um, a lot of people are off today. And then uh, this hour, we'll be talking about the sleep habit that's more important than getting eight hours. What could be more important than getting eight hours? Mm-hmm. Is there something more important than that? Stay tuned to find out. Okay. And, uh, of course, at 425, this or that. Very nice. We'll talk about our friend Bob Long as well. Yeah. But first, mm-hmm. as the globe continues to rotate, Kath, the news stories of the day, please give us the top four at four. It's Friday, John. Did you know it? I do. Mm-hmm. Red letter day. Yes, it is. November 10th, 2023. Number one. In a little over a week, Israeli ground forces have fought their way into northern Gaza's urban areas with a, with a speed that has surprised, according to the Wall Street Journal, even their own commanders. But the most complex stages of the war might still lie ahead. As they move closer to the center of Gaza City, Israeli troops are encountering dug-in Hamas fighters in larger numbers who attack and then pull back or disappear underground. Israel's strategy is to kill enough Hamas fighters and leaders to destroy the organization before it has to curtail the operation, while Hamas's goal is a stalemate that will enable it to survive, damaged but still a force militarily and politically, analysts say. You've probably read that Israel is also under growing international pressure to prevent civilian deaths and ease the worsening humanitarian condition, pressure that could force a halt to the war before its aims are achieved. It will be uh, interesting to see how that pans out in the next few days. The U.S. is backing Israel's goal of eliminating Hamas, and Israeli officials say they won't accept a ceasefire or even a formal pause in fighting until some of the estimated 239 hostages are released. Read more about that today's Wall Street Journal. Number two, Congress veering toward another shutdown. I mean, for heaven's sake, having made little progress in advancing bills to keep the government open since they narrowly avoided a lapse in funding. That's almost six weeks ago. Talk about kicking the can down the street. I mean, it's Groundhog Day. The government is funded through November 17th, but the Senate, uh, which is led by the Democrats, and the House, which is led by the Republicans, have yet to come to an agreement on how to keep agencies operating past the due date. House Republicans have yet to unveil their plan for how to fund the government because they spent three weeks trying to elect a new House Speaker. As of Thursday afternoon, it was unclear how House Republicans would proceed. I think that's an understatement. Of course it is. Number three, that's from CBS News. Number three, a team of New York surgeons has performed the world's first whole eye transplant on a human. That's so wild. A development that could change vision treatments, even though the patient has not yet regained sight in the grafted eye. It's been six months since the eye surgery was performed on a 46-year-old patient. Um, There is promising signs of health in the eye, according to the surgical team. The grafted eye is maintaining normal ocular pressure and has direct blood flow to the retina, which is the area at the back of the eye that, you know, sends light and images to the brain. But it isn't known yet if the patient will regain his sight. Um, They're calling this one major step forward, and they're going to see what happens next. What a miracle this would happen. I know. So they've been able to transplant corneas in the past, right? right? not full eyes. But not whole eyes. Um, Because there are challenges associated with how the nerve works, right? Of course, there's immune rejection with any transplant, retinal blood flow, how it communicates to the brain, all of that. Um, Anyway, the patient is Aaron James, um, who survived a a 7,200-volt electric shock while working as a lineman back in 2021. His story, it's amazing. 
I encourage you to read it in today's Wall Street Journal. Number four, with the actors' strike over, though yet to be officially ratified, everyone wants to know when are things going to get back to normal. Apparently, it's going to be a little while yet, especially right here in Pittsburgh, where so many entertainment things are produced. Regarding local production, Mayor of Kingstown received a third season renewal mid-strike and will likely be the first production to resume filming in Western PA. That's your top four at four. Good news for everybody. I mean, it goes well beyond, you know, the actors because it involves everyone else. Crews, producers, location people, catering people. It's a gigantic piece of engine. I can't imagine. Um, American Rust apparently returning in January to prep for a spring start of principal photography. So it'll be good for those things to come back to the Pittsburgh area. So all those people have just been on unemployment. Yeah. I right? mean, that's just... Twiddling their thumb. It was a long strike. What right? about Sammy Davis Jr. for Hulu? Have you heard about that? No. What are you, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's an untitled limited series. Really? Yeah. Wait, it's in production or it's already... It's It will be starting production. Here? Yeah, uh, back in Pittsburgh, 2024. Sammy Davis Jr., really? Yep. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, cool. it's an eight-episode bio series hmm. written by the Westfall Brothers based on a book. Um, it'll chronicle the singer's rise to become one of the most famous entertainers of the 50s and 60s and the only black member of Sinatra's Rat Pack. Fabulous. Elijah yeah. Kelly will star as Sammy Davis. Interesting. Very, very cool. All right. I mean, Pittsburgh, they call it Hollywood on the Mon, and it shows its strength once again. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Step away. When we come back, we're going to talk about friendship, mm-hmm. specifically a good friend of Kath and ours, uh, Kath and mine. His name is Bob Long. He passed recently, but what a story, what a legacy Bob Long has left behind. Stay with us. It's the Ride Home. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on Word FM. That song is one of the favorites of a good friend of Kath and myself. His name was Bob Long, and Bob left an indelible mark across Christianity in Western Pennsylvania, regionally, and then ultimately across the nation. And I'm sure with the people that he brought to Christ, the tens of thousands of students, hundreds or more, impacted by the Coalition for Christian Outreach, Bob Long's reach was deep and long, and it spanned decades. Bob passed away here on October the 13th after a battle with Alzheimer's, and his loss is felt deep and hard by both Kath and myself. Mm -hmm. 
I met Bob when I was 18 years old, <laughs> and I was one of the college students that he was uh, working so hard for. One as, of many. Yeah, of the, uh, as the president of the CCO. And uh, Bob was intimidating when I was a kid. Bob was bigger than life. He had a huge personality. He had a big voice. He had a big <laughs> laugh. And he was always... Uh, he was always assessing, mm-hmm. analyzing, right. strategizing. And it wasn't that I felt like I was being judged. It wasn't that at all. It was just that he was so confident. And when he walked into a room, he just kind of owned it. He did. And uh, so, you know, as somebody who was just starting out in college, I kind of looked at him from afar and I thought, well. Well, he's like the man in charge around yeah. here. I mean, you go back to the origins of the Coalition for Christian Outreach, and they've been around for a long time. It was the brainchild of John Guest. And then shortly after that, Bob Long and John partnered with each other. And Bob drove the CCO all these many for years. For a long time. He was. He was the, um, I would say, the um, moral, the philosophical, the Christ-centered engine of all that. And certainly the strategic arm of it. Yep. And he fueled that all with his fundraising ra- raising acumen. He was a master fundraiser. And that confidence, that skill and ability to walk into a room and hold out the hand to say, won't you support young Christians on their journey? Mm-hmm. It was unparalleled. And because of that, Bob would find himself in boardrooms or in living rooms or in coffee shops, any place where people could or would meet, Bob was always there. And it spanned from breakfast first thing in the morning until late night, uh, well after dinner. Yeah, it was his life. It was his life. And, And if you look online at the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, please do yourself a favor, because if you don't have a child in college or if you weren't connected to college Christian life, maybe the odds are you might not know it. But if you do, especially if you had a child at the University of Pittsburgh or in that corridor, and then decades after that, reaching regionally and, as I said, nationally, it's really exploded. But Bob's footprint was the first footprint and the largest by far. Mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, grow up from the age of 18 in the same church as Bob. And so from those early days as a freshman in college, being completely like uh, intimidated by Bob to getting to know him over the years and then becoming a friend. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of the treats of my life. I just, I say this, I've said this so often in the last three months, but I just love Bob. And he made me laugh. He, uh, we just laughed a lot of the time. And so for as uh, intent as he was on the gospel, reaching as many college students as it possibly could, um, as intent as he was about maximizing how churches worked, maximizing uh, how sessions worked, how uh, leaderboards worked, however you look at it in your denomination, for as strategic as all of, all of that was, he was such a fun person to be with. Yep. And uh, and I just, I really appreciated that. Now, I um, I knew Bob for a lot longer than you. But you and Bob were much closer than he and I were. Bob and I, you know, there are some people that, you you know this, anybody, there are some people that you meet and you instantly connect. 
and that was Bob and I. And the weird thing about Bob and I is that uh, the CCO, um, that was sort of secondary to our friendship. It was really interesting for me to be at the memorial service, um, and there were hundreds and hundreds. It was a really packed-out place. It was the most significant memorial service I'd ever been to in my life. And this is from a guy, I mean, early on when I was a kid, um, I worked and lived in a funeral home. So when I tell you I've been to funerals, I have been to many, many, many funerals. But Bob's, Bob's was a creation of a different sort. Bob's, it was the miracle of God that it somehow that memorial service opened its arms and it it brought the depth and breadth of the man before that room. To all the people, yeah. And so uh, some people spoke of Bob's athletic prowess because Bob was a starter at the University of Pittsburgh's football team for four years. 1963 was the high watermark of that career that Bob was part of as a senior at the University of Pittsburgh. Some people spoke of Bob's ability with strangers or his ability as a friend, or his ability as a fundraiser, or, or the his, work that he did with the CCO. Or his ability when he was a very young man in reaching out one-on-one to college students. Bob went as a young man into Harlem, where he served for two years. And this was the 60s. This was not the Harlem of this 2023. It was a different place and a different time. But again, all those things that appealed to me... That's Bob as a guy. Because as I said just a few seconds ago, the CCO was sort of contrary or different to our relationship. I just saw Bob as a guy. Bob saw me as a guy. And there was this handshake between us where the comfort level was just easy. And we could sit and kibbutz and BS and laugh and talk about any number of things. And before you know it, we'd go downstream an hour or two later, and we just enjoyed ourselves. It was a simple, clean, funny, raucous uh, friendship between the two of us. I love the guy. We had a lot of time. Uh, we talked about this. It was talked about the memorial service. If you were a friend of Bob's and you were going to lunch... You were going to lunch at Eaton Park. <laughs> Say what you will about Eaton Park. And we had many discussions about that. And always, all the years that I hung out with Bob, I, I could recite by, by memory his ease of the, knowing the menu. And Bob had a cup of chili. He had a cup of soup. He had a Santa Fe wrap. And then he had himself a <laughs> smiley cookie. And he did that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with the meals we had at Eaton Park with his favorite waiter at the Eaton Park at the waterfront. I don't know. Whether it's the waiter Lamar or, Kath, it's you or me. There's a God in heaven, and the work that Bob did as a man, as an administrator, as an evangelist, a husband, a father, all those a things. Grandfather. All those things together. When Bob entered in, in heaven, clearly he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. What a man. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I'll, I'll read obituaries and I'll go, gee, I really wish I'd got to knew that, know that guy. But being in Bob's presence, I mean, I knew the guy. And it, it was one of, it, it is the seminal relationship in my life. And, you know, we're decades apart. 
but just some people you know and you love and you connect with. Mm-hmm. And that was the power and the beauty, the strength of Bob Long, the man. Mm-hmm. When I started working at the church as a worship leader, um, I was in my 20s. I didn't know what I was doing, literally did not know what I was doing. And there was Bob sitting out there. now. So now I'm about 10 years removed from first meeting him and being completely uh, intimidated. And he wasn't shy about his opinion. Was not shy about his opinions. Never critical in a mean way. Never. But certainly he was always assessing. Yep. But when I started that job, he could have been a critic, but instead he was an ally. And I've, I never forgot that. I mean, he could have picked me apart. He could have strategized that church into a whole different uh, direction musically. Um, But instead, he was he was my ally. He was supportive and funny. It's not that he didn't share his opinions because he sure did. I've I've talked over the last week about how every (laughs) he really hated jeans with holes. (laughs) He just really hated that. He was right about that. And every time I would uh, lead, you know, I go to a church where people don't. Don't, you know, it's not a big dress up situation. Anyway, every time I would lead worship and with a hole in my jeans, he would say, what are you going to a picnic? <laughs> <laughs> that was the lighter side. That was the, was it was the really lighter thinking. side. But here, but it just over all of those years, uh, looking at it's a scary thing to get up in front of a group and do something artistic because, you know, half of the people in the room don't like it. Right. It's just the way it is. That's just the odds. And I would look over there and I would see. An ally, I would see a friend, and that is just invaluable yep. to the person up front. It's sure invaluable. Is. I love Bob, love Bob. So friendship here on Earth, and I have no doubt that we will mm-hmm. see Bob yep. one day when I take my last breath and we enter into heaven. I'll see him. Yep. You'll see him, mm-hmm. and that big warm laugh and that embrace of that fantastic guy, and his wife, Marilyn, who was his ally in all these things, the partner that she was, making sure that Bob was able to do what Bob was able to do, wouldn't have been done without Marilyn's help. Mm-mm. There's no question about it. Uh, in our last couple of minutes, John, I guess I just want to reflect on um, Bob's last few years. You said that he had dementia, and that was a heartache for all of us who were around Bob. Bob would say, my declining cognitive... <laughs> My declining cognitive ability. And I'd say, how are you, Bob? And he would say, fair to middling. And he meant it. And you would see this. If you know someone, love someone with Alzheimer's, the person, one tiny step at a time, becomes absent. And the last time Bob and I had lunch at Eaton Park, I I was bawling because I knew it was going to be the last time. And I just could not believe it. Did he know why you were crying? Yeah, he knew. He knew that Bob Bob knew that he was going to go into managed care. And here's the kind of guy Bob is. I'm talking to him about this, you know, and I'm crying. (laughs) And I'm saying, Bob, what's that going to be like for you? And he said, John. It's an opportunity for me to go in there and to evangelize the love of Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm going to do. And I do know this. Whatever Bob's mental state, when Bob was in there and his kind and easy demeanor, he was a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And he smiled at everybody. The staff at the place, they called him Smiley. Because in his heart, that's who he was. 
the true dimension of a man's life, the kindness, the beauty, mm-hmm. and most importantly, his reliance on Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and his willingness, his desire, his lifelong work to spread that gospel to those young college kids to allow that flower to go across the country. We were fortunate to have Bob Long here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So from his work at the CCO as president, which uh, and Dan DePee followed him and Vince Burens and now R. York Moore uh, in his professional world, to all of us who loved him in his church family, you being one of his closest friends, John and Marilyn, uh, being his stalwart, stalwart supporter, uh, friend and companion. I mean... He lived a beautiful life. He sure did. He lived a beautiful life. Love you, Bob. Love you, Bob. See you in heaven. Friday, it must be time for this or that. It's our weekly list. I have one. I have has one. one. And we just go back and forth. And so without further ado, here is the um, November 10th, 23 edition of this or that. <laughs> I didn't know it was dated, but oh, now yes, I'm excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Already? Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Um, I feel badly. I don't really like chestnuts. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of chestnuts, but not really them themselves. So I'm going to pick Jack Frost. All right, because he's coming. He mm-hmm. is. The early bird gets the worm. I hate that. Better late than never. Better late than never. Mm-hmm. Tabuli. Hummus. <sighs> okay, I like them together, ideally. Yeah. But if I have to have just one, I'm going to go hummus. Mm-hmm. The nodding of the head. The doing of the thing. <laughs> I mean, I think that if, yeah, Scott Wilder would want us to say the doing of the thing. Yes, right. Dinner at 8. Dinner at 5. Dinner at, I mean, mm-hmm. I'd... Dinner at 5. Right. Mandatory corporate video training. On hold to figure out medical transformation. Oh, I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. I can't stand either one of them. I'll do the first one. Oh, I actually really? have learned some things from the online corporate training. So I'll the on hold for medical that's building. Just, all that's just doing is aging me. Right. Litter. Spam. Spam, because I can't see it. Mm-hmm. Watching the fireplace. Watching the football. I'll pick the fireplace. Mm. Joe Manchin, Mancini's bread. <laughs> um, I like, I mean, I like both. I, I'm going Joe Manchin, All though. Right, I, I am. I am. I, I like that he's just kind of a finger in the eye. Yes, he is. Comfort, joy. Oh, well, I, I, in reality, comfort, but what I really want to love is joy. Mm-hmm. Cleaning the house 
exercising. Oh, exercising for sure. Mm-hmm. The Christmas tree at the point. The Christmas tree on the Horns building. Oh, the Christmas tree on the Horns building. Not even a question. Because the Christmas tree at the point is gone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's my this or that. Exactly. Okay. okay. Right. Well, last Sunday, John, we fell back time-wise. Mm, you remember did. that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And that should have been good news. No, it took us a while uh, to catch up, didn't That it? extra hour of sleep. But instead, I could barely stay awake. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I joined you. <laughs> I work on Monday, and you fell asleep sitting in your chair in I, your office. Yeah. The Monday edition of the ride home yeah. may have been a little less than good. enthusiastic. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so I give you, John, the I'm tired all the time edition <laughs> of this. <laughs> okay, good. Number one, mm-hmm. get out of bed when your alarm goes off or hit the snooze. Come on, get out of bed. Let's go. I don't go. even understand get, you. Get, I keep go. asking because I'm expecting that I'm going to get a different answer. Number two, go for a walk mm-hmm. or take a nap. Go for a walk. Let's move it. Okay. Don't you feel better after you take a walk? Well, yeah, but I also feel better after I take a nap. <laughs> okay, number three, uh, coffee in the morning mm-hmm. or tea in the morning? Depending upon the stage of my life or the way I feel. What do you I mean feel. the stage of your life? Well, there were times. I mean, up until I met my wife, I had tea every morning. You had tea every morning. Then I met my wife and I had coffee every morning. Well, you've been married for 25 years. I know, but still. Sometimes when I'm not feeling well, uh, I'll forego the coffee and drink tea. So it's kind of both. But I regularly right now, the tea, the coffee, I mean, and I look greatly look, I look forward to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a long way to get Sorry. to the answer to that question. <laughs> Number four, yeah. shot of espresso or Red Bull? Oh, shot of espresso. Red Bull. Ugh, that's disgusting. I feel bad for all those kids. It is disgusting. It's horrible. Um, goose down comforter or old quilt? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I, mean, I know I should say the goose down comforter, but I do like the old no, quilt. I, I go for the old quilt. Yeah. Goose down pillows or fiber fill? Oh, goose down pillows. White noise machine or boring dead quiet? <laughs> There's no opinions in this or that. Okay? Uh, sorry, am I injecting is. mine? I would go with quiet. <laughs> uh, listen to a podcast as you fall asleep or boring dead quiet? <laughs> Again, no opinions. <laughs> And quiet is the correct and only answer. Uh, Okay. The dog has a bed or the dog's bed is your bed? No, no. The dog has his own bed. Okay. Uh, Go to bed early or fall asleep on the sofa? No, I'm going to bed. Good night. The worst thing is to fall asleep on the sofa. Take your dreams seriously or kind of blow them off? Hmm. I think I'd like to take them seriously. Okay. Sleeping Beauty or While You Were Sleeping? While you were sleeping. That's such yeah, a great yeah, movie. Is, yeah. I love it so much. Um, uh, the Lion Sleeps Tonight or Mr. Sandman? Oh, Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman. That's a, that's a nice little kitschy thing. Uh, wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, John, mm-hmm. or Last Night I Didn't Get to Sleep at All. <laughs> no, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. You wake up at 3 a.m., John, so you lie in bed and think of all the terrific things you've accomplished in life, or you wake up at 3 a.m. and think about every single regret you've ever had about your whole long life. (laughs) That's it. That's the black hole that I choose to fall into. Good for the mental health at 3 a.m. Ambien or NyQuil? Uh, Ambien or NyQuil. Mm -hmm. Uh, One or the other. Yeah. Uh, NyQuil. Presidential election 2024, Biden-Trump or narcolepsy? Narcolepsy, bring it. (laughs) That's this or that. Of the lonely night. 
That's how it is. I love that song. What year do you think that is? 68, 69? Maybe. The I don't fifth know. dimension, as you yeah, correctly Yeah, Marilyn McCoo. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I, this is true, I think, for a lot of people. All right. I wonder what percentage of people have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep. I would say most. You think? Oh, yeah. What do you say about sleep? It's not something you do. It's something that happens to you. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if it's not working, I'm trying to do all it. of a sudden you start trying uh, to do it. That's the worst thing. It's the worst. Right. The sleep habit that's more important than getting eight hours. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal this past week. For those of us who hope and uh, pray that we get eight hours of sleep or shall I a night, it doesn't mean that you're doing things wrong. But there is one key component about getting sleep that is really key. Uh, More than a third of Americans don't get the seven to nine hours of sleep recommended by sleep and medical organizations. But a new study found that sleep regularity reduced the risk of premature death from any cause by 20 to 48 percent. I mean, that's such a high number. Sleep duration is important. But your bedtime routine, when you go to bed, and the consistency of that, and that move forward, however fast or slow it is, is the key thing in that longevity and the health of your sleep and apparently in your physical health. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. And I am very bad at that. Are you? Yes. Well, you're, you don't have like a I bedtime hate, routine? No. I hate to go to bed because I hate to give up on the day. No, no. I hate it. I, just, I hate it. You have to surrender to it. I hate it. I just, I have don't such you? a terrible time. So no. I, I always fall asleep downstairs. <sighs> and then I go up. No. I say, I, I'll make a pronouncement to everyone. I'll just stand up and go, I'm going to bed. <laughs> And then that's it. Don't and you don't feel any sense of nope. I uh, no, I want to no. watch one more thing. I want to no, read no, one more no. thing. I want to think about one more thing. I'm going to bed, and then I walk around and kiss my wife. I, if my kids are there, hey, kiss you, kiss you, good night. I make sure the doors are locked, everything's secure, the windows are all together. That's my last sort of official guy act. Then I go to bed, go upstairs, do a little splash, a little brush, boom, I'm in bed. It works for me. Well, it should. I mean, it's just, it's. Maybe this is it. No, (sighs) there's an age gap between us. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I didn't do that, of course. You didn't? No, no, of course. I was sloppy, like, you know. Like me. Kind of. Jeez. Jeez, Lex. It's getting dark on a Friday. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Good grief. But, you know, it was kind of willy nilly. But now, to be honest, I look forward to it. My husband always says, I'm going to go up to bed because I'm so good at sleeping. <laughs> He's a wise he man. He says that nightly. He's so I'm good so at sleeping. Good at, I'm so good at yeah, that. Yeah, 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 good. And look at his weird schedule. I know. And he does. Is he regular? Oh, my gosh. Like he a get, clock. Right. 4.15, the alarm goes off. He gets up. What he, time's he going to bed? Uh, nine. Mm-hmm, nine a.m. Mm-hmm. And there nine you are. PM, yeah. It's one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. You're hanging out. Somewhere. I'm texting <clears> Lex. <throat> oh boy. Oh We're boy. chatting about. Oh boy. You bringing the blueberries uh, with me? Oh man. I brought raspberries today. Oh, I love that. Two morning. o'clock. You're going to bed at two o'clock. No, last night. No, I've been. I didn't. <laughs> last night. Uh, I uh, I went to bed. I fell asleep down on the sofa at around ten thirty. Oh, and then you woke up at what time? 
I don't know because I don't look at the clock. And your hair's all messy yep. and you're sweaty. Yep. Your teeth are kind of like yeah. funky. Yeah, your so you eyes have to go are... up and brush your teeth. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. terrible. I know it is. It's too much of a price to pay. I know. Instead of, and you, you're such a neat and put together person. I know. You think that, like, that routine would be like, click, there'll be a day. There There'll be a day. It's it's the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. I should just do it. I'm just not. I get it though. I just think maybe it's just a, the last vestige of youth. Yeah, or just the last right? vestige of the day. Because there'll be a time. I'm telling you, this is what that you can't st- you can't stay asleep. You just, it just comes over you like this gigantic. Yeah. You mean you can't stay awake? No, you can't stay awake. Mm-hmm. It just comes over you, and you go, okay. So instead of fighting it, you just surrender to it. I'm telling you. Lex, do you think that's going to happen to me and you? Perhaps. No, it's a given. <laughs> it's just another stage of life, I'm telling you. Oh, God. That's how it is. All right. Okay. We need to step away after mm-hmm. all of this Sorry. information I've had to take in and just reevaluating everything. Regularity now. is the key to uh, a happy life. That's what the Wall Street Journal says. All right. When we come back, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, seven, what is the seven steps? Six degrees of Six separation. Six degrees. What did I say? Seven, seven steps. Seven steps to a <laughs> successful life. <laughs> anyway. Six degrees of separation. We'll be back be. with it next. We have friends who live in Brooklyn. They run a very successful hardware store in Brooklyn. But if you were to walk into that hardware store, you would see a massive and I mean massive pig lying on the floor. A real pig? A real pig. It's their family pet. Really? Yep. Wait, in Brooklyn. Wait, so does this pig so this pig lives inside? Well, he lives like a dog would live inside. He goes outside for walks, but he is a pig who is a family pet. Who, is he litter trained? Yeah. Pretty much. He's smart. But I'm telling you, when I say massive he is massive, <laughs> mm-hmm. which makes you wonder about people who keep pigs on a farm or outside of a farm. But here's a story about a pig. A pig by the name of Kevin Bacon <laughs> spent more than two weeks on the run in Pennsylvania, is finally home thanks to some sticky buns, some Benadryl, and a shout out from his namesake, the actor Kevin Bacon. Chelsea Rumbaugh, who bought the uh, two-year-old, 230-pound Julianne pig home to her farm. But the following day, the pesky porker had dug a hole under his pen and escaped. Really? So she wrote in a Facebook page formerly called Bring Kevin Home, quote, We were so close to Kevin. My 16-year-old was petting him. He stayed close, but eventually took off into the woods. So over the next two weeks, the pig spent his time roaming the woods in the area, sometimes making appearances at neighbors' homes, <laughs> but evading capture. So Rumbaugh launched this aforementioned Facebook page to alert local hunters and ask neighbors to help track down Kevin. The page took off, but then award-winning actor Kevin Bacon himself learned of the footloose pig, pun intended. (laughs) That's funny. He chimed in to spread the word, posting on Meta's theme app, Bring Kevin Home. He made this little video. Meanwhile, the pig would continually wander close to home, but scurry away whenever somebody got close. Quote, Kevin and I have been doing a song and dance since 8.30, Rumbaugh wrote on October 30th, the day before he was recaptured. But eventually, he was brought home. Uh, a lacy, sticky bun uh, with Benadryl. 
oh. was set out for Kevin. Oh, so they shot Benadryl into a sticky bun. Mm-hmm. And they placed these Benadryl buns all over the property. Kevin, of course, could not resist a sticky bun, because who can? <laughs> Especially if you're a pig. He ate one, perhaps two, of the Benadryl buns. And before you know it, he couldn't resist, and he went to sleep. He had a good sleep habit, Kath. He did have a good sleep mm-hmm. habit. Okay, so he's back. He's back home. The friendly confines. Right, with a newer pen that apparently is escape proof. Okay. So he's not going to be inside the house or the hardware mm, store. Okay. You see have you seen pigs out in public walking around? No. Haven't you? No. I mean, people have these pets? I was just talking to somebody today uh in the nail salon who has uh a who, pig who has whose sister has a pig. Apparently pigs are very intelligent. Yeah. Remember? I think they're very cute and they make a very funny sound. Yeah, but they are. The snurfling is very, very funny. Remember Green Acres? Arnold no. the Pig? Oh, that's a great series. Arnold the Pig. Mm-hmm. It's the first time you saw like a pig be domesticated. Um, one of the sisters was in Green Acres, right? One of the sisters? What sisters? Uh, Gabor's. Oh, yeah. I think that was that Jaja or Ava? Ava. I'm not sorry. I'm I sorry. I want to say it was Ava. With Eddie Arnold. Okay. Green Acres mm-hmm. is the place to be. What about Kevin Bacon? What about him? You like any of? Yeah, I do. I like him a lot. Okay, you, he's a, uh, he's a good follow on Instagram. Well, he's. A, I love his wife. He's an interesting actor who doesn't take himself too seriously, mm-hmm. and it shows in his his um, film choices. Okay. Yeah, I just think so. Footloose. Footloose. Nah, um, I, nah. Uh, what about Mystic River? Uh, yeah, it's a good film. Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, I can't say I've seen it. Apollo Thirteen. He was. Oh, one. excellent. A few good men. Yeah, great film. Um, She's having a baby. Yep. Very good film as well. He was in a great sort of um, with Fred Ward. Uh, I forget the name of the film. Mm. It was like a little sort of like sci-fi thing where Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon are out. They're working as something like in the middle of the desert. You know, mm. they're working. And they're, this beast shows up. Like this underground beast and terrorizes this entire area. It's, so it's a thriller? It's a thriller of a little weird sort of sci-fi, kitschy kind of uh, adventure. Hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Tremors. Yeah, Tremors. I was yeah. just about to. Excellent film. Um, the Closer is what his wife starred in for Kira 10 Sedgwick, years. right? And I wa- only started watching that because uh, I got a copy of it at a yard sale oh, okay. on DVD. Did you like it? And I thought, I'm not going to like this. And the first episode, I was like, I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Three episodes in. You really loved it. That is a great show. That was a show long before its time. She was excellent uh-huh. in that show. They're a power Terrific. couple. Terrific. Do you know that Kira Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon were a massive victim of Bernie Madoff. No. Mm-hmm. They lost most of their income, most of their life savings, which you would imagine would be... Substantial. Yes. Because I did not know that. Kira Sedgwick came, comes from a wealthy family, and so along with their earnings as actors, gone. I mean, 98% of it was gone. They had to regroup. So he talks about this, that, you know, he did things that professionally, uh, you know, movie choices that he would not have otherwise. Anyway, Kevin Bacon.
Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the 5 o'clock hour of the Friday edition of The Ride Home. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I just had my wall sit. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a little shaky still. Core strength is uh, strong. Yeah, I mean, it's getting stronger. What are you up to? That. Three minutes, five seconds. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I was a little skeptical. I know. I was. Mm-hmm. I'd see leaning against the wall and thinking, well, that's not going to last. Why is she so lazy? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. That's back when I was, you know, doing pulling 20, 25 seconds. Yeah, but now. But now it's morphed into something substantial. I could not do this, I'm sure. Oh, well, it's hard. I, I bet it is, yeah. But you could do it if you did it. You yeah. just have to You just have to be consistent about right. it. Right. I do it every day at the 5 o'clock news break. Well, um, this is a uh, celebration of Veterans Day today. Yes, it is. is. It yeah. Tomorrow is the official Veterans Day, but 11-11-23, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, the reason we celebrate Veterans Day on November 11th, dates back to 1918, when an armistice between the Allies and Germany was signed that essentially ended World War I. World War I was billed as the war to end all wars, but of course it did not, would it be so. But by the 1950s, with so many American veterans of World War II and the conflict in Korea, some thought that the term Armistice Day, which is what it was called, was mm-hmm. outdated. So there's a guy, his name is Alvin King who was a shoe repair man, ran a shoe repair shop in Emporia, Kansas. Now, he's probably not in too many history books, but I think he does at least deserve a paragraph. He thought that uh, Armistice Day was a little too limiting. He had lost family in World War II and thought that all American veterans uh, should be honored on November the 11th. So he formed a committee in his hometown. Uh, This is 1953, and they celebrated in Emporia, Kansas, the very first Veterans Day. So the congressman from uh, Kansas, a guy by the name of Ed Reese, he loved the idea. He took it to President Eisenhower, another Kansan who liked the idea. So in 1954, Eisenhower formally changed November 11th from Armistice Day. Veterans is that day. right? Yep. 54. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yep. so this is not the day where we remember our war dead. That's Memorial Day. Yep. But this is the day that we salute every veteran, right? Who's yep. served, currently serving. Yep. Whatever. Thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. In 2003, Congress passed a resolution declaring Emporia the founding city. That's so cool. Veterans Never day. knew that. Yeah. So, I mean, how many, we were in Squirrel Hill the other day and, um, well, I would think I was with you, and we were driving past the shoe repair shop. Yep, right on Murray Avenue. Remember when every small town had yes. a shoe repair? Yes, at least one. Yes. Now, mine, mine still has one. You, you do. Yep. What's the name of it? Northway Shoe Repair. Oh, in Northway Mall. Nope. Uh, it's in uh, like a little plaza right beside the block really? Northway. Same guy. Or gal? Well, it's not the same. Family? I don't. I actually don't know. I hmm. mean, they they were in the bottom, uh, the the basement level floor of Northway Mall from Forever. time immemorial. Ross Shoe Service was in Westview when I was a kid, and Ross was absolutely terrific. Hmm. But he retired, and nothing was replaced in Westview. So mm-hmm. I just have to hoof it down yeah. the road. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I've. Well, I probably could. It's been a couple of years. In my neighborhood, in my old neighborhood in Bloomfield, there was a great shoe repair guy. But he retired and nobody took it up. That's really sad. There was also a place in Edgewood that was a shoe repair place. He retired. Nobody took it up. 
you know what I wonder about those shoe repair places, the toxicity. Oh, of those, I know. Those guys are breathing. Yeah. Right? So I go to the Squirrel Hill shoe repair. It's a father and son shoe repair. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, to me, it's unlike most shoe repair places that I had familiarity with. I mean, growing up in Swissvale, there was a guy who was a shoe repair guy. That place was a mess. So was the guy in Bloomfield. There was stuff oh, everywhere. every square yep. inch. Paper bags with old shoes yep. with little tags on them. Yep. Probably people never picked up their shoes, and there they were. Mm-hmm. The guys in Squirrel Hill, father and son, that place is spick and span. I mean... Oh, it's I, know you, I know you love that. Oh, my gosh. I walk in I there. love that, too. That's what I remember. I yep. walk in there and go, you guys have got to go in all Yeah, I There's like that there. very much. You give, them your, you give the ticket to the guys. They go in the back room. Now, who knows what the back room looks like, but it really doesn't matter because I don't see it. But, man, he comes back You know, a few minutes later. There's your shoes, oh, polished awesome. and ready to go. That is awesome. So shoes have become so cheap. Yeah, that it's not, oftentimes not worth repairing them. Mm-hmm. Right. One time I gave a pair of shoes uh, to a shoe repair guy, and these were these were shoes. You know, I, I worked at a uh, an Italian shoe, shoe place in New York City called Ferragamo, and so uh, working there every six months, you got a free pair of Italian shoes. <sighs> And these were gorgeous shoes. I mean, these were like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. This was back in the 1980s. I gave this guy a pair of shoes to replace the heels. I came back a couple of weeks later. He goes, oh, I don't, I don't have them. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I didn't think you were coming back. I, I may have given them away. <gasps> he gave my shoes away. Yeah. That was my Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. That's absolutely that's- horrible. Okay, getting back. Uh, before we go to commercial break, to yeah. Veterans Day. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, we gotta, repair to I mean, that's okay. Uh, but I do want to mention uh, several family members who have served. Excellent. Um, I want to remember my cousin, uh, Ed Warshall, mm-hmm. who served in Vietnam. And my nephew, Joshua Van Dyke, um, who hey, served Josh. on an aircraft carrier in the war in the Middle East. Very nice. My brother, Jeff Hall, he served in Vietnam. My dad, Don Hall, served in World War II. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, for all of you who have served. I mean, we're just not worthy of all of that you guys put no, at risk. you don't even think about nope. it. But, you know, without your service, all those men and women, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands, I, I don't even know how many people are in the armed services, but thank you. You keep us strong mm-hmm. and free because of your surrendering your life mm-hmm. and allowing us to live freely here all that time. I mean, to join the service, it's a it's an eight-year commitment. You may serve four years, but then you serve four years or two more years in the reserves and then two years on call-up reserves. Andy Schmidt, he's also a former vet. Thanks, guys and girls. Would you consider yourself a grateful person? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Was that a learned thing, or does it come naturally? Oh, no, that was a learned thing. A learned thing. Mm -hmm. Learned how? I think the more uh, things you lose, Mm -hmm. I think the more people you know, and I think the more you know about the world. Then gratitude comes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people who take things for granted maybe have had it a little too easy Mm -hmm. and have not uh, suffered many losses. That may be the case. Tony Turner's back with us. Tony's been a regular guest of ours many, many years. She's a Pittsburgh pastor, a counselor, a teacher, the Gracism Task Force on Facebook. But Tony, friend, welcome back. Well, thank you. It's nice to hear you guys' voices. Always good to hear yours. <laughs> Tony, what do you think about gr- gratitude? Is that do you think you're a grateful person? Well, I think that I not only 
do I think that I am? I think it was something that was cultivated in me by my mom, especially, mm. um, and probably even my dad too. But um, especially my mother, she was <laughs> she was the type of person that if she couldn't do this, then she would do that. And uh, you know, we were never taught to you know. Um, try to emulate what everybody else was doing, you know, and um, what really occurred to me was in doing the, you know, the whole Graces and Task Force uh, piece and looking at the world and the kind of narrative that floats around constantly, and I hear the word privileged, or I hear the word that, you know, there's somebody that's better than somebody else, or I, you know, there's that constant comparison. And um, so I, w- I was uh, asked to uh, give a message a couple of weeks out in uh, New Kensington, and the word that came to me was envy, you know. And I said, well, what keeps us from being envious, you know, and, and, and being envious just means having an intense desire for something that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think that basically it's about being grateful for what I do have. Um, and, and where did that come from? Uh, when we think about it, uh, there are certain narratives, of course, that we can read about Lucifer when he was in heaven and how, you know, he everything, all the beautiful things were, were essentially made in him, including things like music and the beautiful stones were in him and all that. But yet he still looked at God and had the nerve to compare himself with God and decided he wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. And when he got thrown out, he brought that nest to, to the earth. And here, God had prepared the Garden of Eden from, uh, for Adam and, and, and Eve and put in it everything that they could possibly want or need. Hmm. And what happened was, I mean, if you had everything that you could absolutely want or need, what more would you want or need? Right. And yet, what happened after the fall was that uh, I think in the book of James it says that, you know, from envy and jealousy comes every vile practice, mm-hmm. every evil pa- practice, and it lists it with things like murder and, and, and evil and hatred and, you know, all of those things. That, but nowhere in that list is gratitude. And, you know, my my word says that I enter into the presence of the Lord. I enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And so, as um, as Kathy said, you know, it is something that you have to learn to be grateful. And um, one thing that helps me, for example, is that I, I've been around people who had, uh, you know, like tons more money than I had. And yet, they weren't happy. You know, they, they had... Uh, they were privileged to do anything that they possibly, if I told you how filthy rich, you know, some of the people are that I have, you know, had contact with, you know, it, it, it's not only unbelievable, it's just totally excessive, and you know, in my book. But, and yet, there was that unhappiness there, you know, that they still had to some, somehow compare themselves with others. And um, the scripture clearly tells us not to do that because if you compare yourself with somebody, you're either going to feel like they're better or you're better or they're not as good or you're not as good. That's, you know, and that 
you know, how can you be content with that? How can you, you know, give thanks in that? You're never going to have enough. Right. Yeah, and that's probably the malady of our age, Tony, right? That, you know, social media is, of course, uh, the boogeyman in the corner. Uh, it, it's hard to compete with that because everybody has a little more than you. First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen eighteen says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. that sums it up, doesn't it? That's what I'm talking about right there. If if the, if, the, if the Lord doesn't open a certain door for me, I have learned that that's not the door for me because I don't know what's on the other side of that door necessarily. If I see someone else that maybe, maybe they have a, a bigger car than I do, okay, and I think somehow that makes them better than I am, then that means i got to strive somehow to get to that bigger car. And somebody's always going to have a bigger, better something than you do but you don't know what comes with it. There may be somebody who has a bigger car, but they don't have the money to keep the gas in the car, keep it running, you know. Um, Along with somebody's blessing, there are things that are not so good. And so when we're busy envying what someone else has, we don't learn even to appreciate what we have. Mm -hmm. I think one of the... Yeah. I was just going to say that Tony Turner's with us, Pittsburgh-based pastor, counselor, and teacher from the Gracism Task Force. But Tony, you can keep right on going. Yeah, I was going to say one of the uh, one of the, the, the things about you know envy and, and jealousy is, is that it, you know there's there's actually no love there either. Um, I, one of the the uh, stars of of that movie for me was Jonah, you know, who was given the task to uh, give good news from the Lord himself to a group of people that he hated. And he couldn't be, he didn't want to give them that good news because he knew how good God was mm. and that that God would, if all they had to do was repent and God would bless them and he didn't want them to be blessed. That, you know, that's not love and we're called to love. You know, we're, I, I need to be able to celebrate when, you know, when Kathy or John get rewards or when they get elevated in some way. I need to be able to celebrate with them, with you guys, because we're part of a body. Yep. And if I'm holding you back, I'm holding me back, too. Mm-hmm. Tony, one of the things, I, I, I was uh, out in, at a store the other day, and I heard somebody in the next dial over say, oh, she's so spoiled. You know, and, and uh-huh. I, they were talking about, a, you know, one of their little babies. And, you know, uh-huh. you think you, we give to our children out of love because we want them yeah. to share the abundance. But we do so at our own peril in many ways, do we not? Well, maybe, you know, when you say somebody is so spoiled, you know, I I, I love spoiling my, my grandkids. But to be honest with you, if, if you're around me, I'll try to spoil you, too. I feel like, <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, I love to just make people happy because happy is so, you know, elusive, but it gives people joy to know that they're loved and appreciated. Now, if you find, if I find that I've got so much until I can't appreciate it or that I injure other people because I've got it, you know, now that's, that's really, I think, probably the, the definition of being spoiled, that you just want your way. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or has or wants or anything like that. That's that's a whole that's a different animal, isn't it? Sure is. Um, 
And I think that, you know, we have to teach children how to be, not only be grateful, but to 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 want to share the joy, you know, and and not try to. You, you think about somebody like like Jonah. He sulked because God wanted to bless the people of Nineveh, you know. And we we have a world uh, out there that needs to know about Christ, and we need to we need to appreciate Christ so much. And, and allow him to have his way in our lives and learn how to be content and carry the peace and carry the joy that comes with that. And so the world wants that, too. Um, but we, you know, we a lot of times are just, we feel like, you know, we're, it's exclusive to us and not to them. Tony, let me interrupt you for a minute and ask, though, about uh, practically speaking, um, the what decisions we should make. Because I think... Uh, in our current culture, it just fosters comparison, uh, especially when we're talking about social media, but also just um, the fact that we are in a, a consumerist mindset here. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just seems like whether you're out talking to neighbors or looking at somebody's house or on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you're on, um, comparisons are really easy to make. They are absolutely easy, and I think that that's part of what goes along with the fall, that the enemy always wants us, us to question, just like he did Adam and Eve, he always wants us to question God's faithfulness to us. Mm-hmm. He always wants, you know, why should this person have that and not me? You know, just and it's got to be because their skin color is different, or it's got to be because, you know, of something external that is not going to last. It has absolutely no value when it comes to giving me happiness or or healing me or you know giving me peace uh you know in my inner self and and we we as me as the body we have to begin to question those kind of things not necessarily to be combative in it but to set you know to to begin to say you know lift up different kinds of values i I think it you know social media is is one thing tv you know all of those things I look at some of the movie stars that are out there and say the clothes that they wear. I, I was watching uh, one person. She had on an outfit. It just looked skanky to me. It didn't look like it, you know, made her look better. Yeah. Or it didn't look like she had any good intentions by wearing it. Why should I want to wear that, you know? Um, but but it, it comes from either the feeling like you are not enough we're feeling that you're more than you really are. And we've got to come back to, you know, what is the, what does God say that I am? You know, mm-hmm. what is my value to him? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Gratitude in all things, Tony. <laughs> hey, Tony, um, before you leave us, uh, to talk to us about the, uh, the Gracism Task Force on Facebook. I mean, it's a powerful thing. Um, it's invitation, Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's by invitation, but also I'm I'm looking to uh, do some more. Yeah, I'm working on my calendar for uh, 2024 to be able to go into some churches or Bible studies or uh, Christian organizations, so we can take a look at what God really meant when He made us different, and yet called us to be one. Hmm. I'm into that, Tony Turner. Yeah. Always a pleasure. To Thank talk you so to you, much, Tony. Tony. 
You too. And you, you guys have a great Thanksgiving if I don't talk to you. Look forward to it. Thanksful on all things, right? There's gratitude right there. Tony Turner with the Gracism Task Force. Look at it on Facebook, all right? We'll take a, a quick break, come back. We're going to talk about a, a translation app and a little brouhaha over that. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home. Word FM. Of course, anybody who uses technology, you know what a double-edged sword it is, right? I mean, it's great when it works, but then when it doesn't, mm-hmm. all bets are off. That's for sure. Here's a weird story. A luckless tourist from Azerbaijan found himself surrounded by armed police and ordered to the floor in Lisbon oh. after a translation app he used to request help in a restaurant confused pomegranate with grenade. <laughs> According to a story in a local Lisbon newspaper, the man suffered a, quote, sudden indisposition, end quote. Wait, a what? A sudden indisposition. Okay. Which led him to entering a Portuguese restaurant in the downtown area of Lisbon and seeking some kind of sustenance. Okay. The man is a Russian speaker, but with an Israeli passport. The 36-year-old man used an app on his phone to write a sentence in which it seems he was asking for something to do with pomegranate juice. (laughs) Possibly pomegranate juice of some sort with seltzer. Whatever the request, the app translated the Russian for pomegranate into the Portuguese grenade, which immediately (gasps) sent the waiter on alert... Quickly calling authorities before you knew it, he was surrounded oh, and on the ground. Come on. Mm-hmm. The poor guy's trying to get pomegranate juice and he ends up being like overwhelmed by state security. He was having some sort of weird medical problem. And needed right? some pomegranate juice, maybe a, like a blood sugar thing. Right. And came in from outside and you know, asking for help. And there it is. There's the translation app gone awry. Jeez Louise. Oh, my gosh. That scared the heck out of you? Okay, so you haven't really traveled overseas since the translation no, apps were a thing. No, I have not. Yes. Well, hearing this kind of story makes you very leery. Well, uh, have you used them? Yeah, of course. Helpful? That's how That's how I got around Germany. Are really? you kidding me? Listen, when I went to Germany, I... I had talked to several people who had traveled there Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, there's a ton of English in Germany. Like you don't, you won't have to worry about it. But what is the lazy American, which is the lazy American. And I totally acknowledge that I'm like the worst American traveler. But what I didn't realize is that there's a ton of English in the cities, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't in any cities. I was only in in the the countryside. Well, there's no English. Right. So. What am I going to, I mean, I, so I had to use that translation app. I had to use it in every restaurant really? I went into. I had to use it in every store. I ended up having to go into a Best Buy because we were recording the show, if you remember. I do remember. And I needed a thing for my computer. Yeah, yeah. To, to make the connection. Right, to make the connection. And so I ended up having to go get an Uber and go to a Best Buy. And can you imagine trying to explain what I needed for my computer at a Best Buy when I don't speak the language. A very specific technological uh-huh. piece. Yeah. And it did was, it work? It did work, but it was really difficult. It was really difficult. But I just, you use that app and you assume. Right. What you're it, saying is coming up. Yep. What you're asking but for. But you don't know. Of course you don't. Because you know whenever you're texting somebody how often it comes out screwball anyway. Exactly. Now, I, that makes me really nervous. Yeah. Is the guy okay? 
Did they, uh, they, they get... There's no follow-up on okay. the story, right? Pomegranate to grenade. I hope they got back to some stasis there. I mean, the poor guy suffering a medical emergency. Imagine the mess he was in Good after that fact. Grief. What the heck? All right. Uh, after the break, it's the Week in Review. What's everyone talking about this week? What are we reading, watching, eating? Yeah, all that next. Stick around. That's right, Elmer. It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? I think, at least from my perspective, people were talking about the local elections. Mm -hmm. And, of course, beyond local, right, county, state, and national. Yep. They meant something. Yep. Overwhelming uh, pro-abortion voting. Yeah. uh, In all different pockets of the country, even in very conservative pockets of the country. And what that meant for the Democrats going forward and the Republicans going forward, right? Yep. And people also still talking about the Israel-Hamas war. Yep. What was a conversation that made you think? Um, earlier on in this week, Tuesday at 5.15, we talked with Pastor Terry Tim about accepting God's invitation. That was a fascinating conversation to me. Uh, I've accepted God's invitation, but oftentimes I'm a poor recipient. Mm-hmm. That I think, you know, I'm not worthy. So uh, there's a weird thing that gets in the way. And is it ego? Is it fear? Is it guilt? Whatever. That I don't, I accept it, but I don't fully embrace it. And Mm -hmm. I think if I'm doing that, then other people are doing that as well. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good conversation. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I thought of uh, yesterday's conversation at 410 about Sojourner Truth. Mm. Uh, Obi Tyler Todd was with us. He wrote an article for CT Magazine, but it's about Sojourner Truth. Um, her, you know, we, we tend to focus on, you know, only certain personalities of that era. You know, Harriet Tubman um, in particular, when you think of women in that era. But Sojourner Truth is such a fascinating character. I want to read her book. I couldn't. I have to read that book. Yeah. It was, she really captured my imagination. I think the number one, first of all, her conversion is such a miraculous story, um, such a supernatural story, and her unwavering commitment to abolition being linked to faith. Yeah. So just really, it was profound to me. I really loved it. it was, that was Thursday at 410. Excellent. Yeah. So if you missed that or what John was talking about with Terry Tim or anything else, you can always find our podcast wherever you get them. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. What are you reading? I'm still reading, which I love. Truman. No, no. I, I've kind of made a little detour <laughs> off the, the Truman, Truman Highway there. I'm reading a book, which I love, called Tom Lake and Patchett. And it's about a small town and the interconnectedness of all the people in this small town. It's really lovely. Um, actually, I'm not reading it. I'm listening to it back and forth to work. Okay. And it's narrated by all people of Meryl Streep. Is it? It's very well done. Mm-hmm, oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm reading uh, a new book for me called Harry's Trees what? by John Cohen. And it, when I tell you what it's about, you're going to think it's morbid, um, but it's actually not a morbid story at all. It's a, um, it's a, uh, 
it's a tale. It's kind of like a fairy tale, but it's a tale of a maybe a 45-year-old guy who um, has never been able to kind of get off the ground as far as what he really wanted to do with his life. Mm-hmm. In spite of having a spouse that absolutely adored him and that he absolutely adored, he just, you know, career-wise couldn't get off the ground, and she dies suddenly. Mm-hmm. And he is overwhelmed, not just at her death, but at his complicity in it, not his complicity like he killed her or that he would just he left her on the street uh, to go get a lottery ticket and she was killed. Wow. And um, so him coming to grips with that um, and what it means for his unfolding future. Interesting. What's it called? It's called Harry's Trees by John Cohen. And uh, Are you reading it or listening I'm to it? I'm listening to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harry's Trees. Mm-hmm. Good. What did you eat? Oh, uh, what did I eat? Uh, we had actually last night fresh linguine with uh, fresh tomatoes that my wife... You know, oh my gosh! Boiled down. <gasps> what do you call it? There? You know, she's in the cooked skillet. Down, yeah. Cooked it down, uh, and it was spicy, <sighs> with a little hit of vermouth apparently in there as well. Uh, peppers and Tabasco sauce, and you know, just chopped up small and it looked pretty easy. Yeah. And, and, and there she, and there they were in the skillet, just kind of bubbling away with that fresh linguine. Did that taste incredible? Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's something about fresh. Yep. Right? Yep. Those two, those noodles and then those tomatoes. So good. These are the last tomatoes of the season. And there they were, these big, beautiful, red, ripe tomatoes. And then they're sitting in the skillet. You can just smell them. Just fabulous. Oh, it's so Mm -hmm. delicious. Mm Um, I made mashed potatoes in preparation for Thanksgiving. Oh. I wanted to give them another another try because last year at the holiday was the first I'd ever made them. Um, but they're mashed potatoes that you uh, start with baked potatoes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you start with the baked potatoes and then you spoon them out and mm. that's where you go instead of the boiling. And they're absolutely delicious. But when it's over... You have a whole lot of potato skins. Yeah, yeah. So we've been eating potato skins with cheddar and bacon the Don't last few nights. Don't you love that? <laughs> now, look, we grew up like that. And so whenever we do baked potatoes, I'm eating the potato skins. Like yeah. They, I'll put them back in the oven. Of and course. My kids and my wife think I'm like, you know, they never, ever eat them. You're kidding no. me. No. And I'm like, you guys, this is the best part of oh the potato. Oh, my gosh. It's so delicious. I love that. Yeah. With cheddar and yes, bacon. cheddar and bacon. Oh, my God. Green onion on top. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you watch? Uh, I am watching. Uh, oh, no, I can't no, no. wait to hear. I, I like this a lot. I mean, I, you know, I can't say I like this. Okay, here we are. We are uh, almost at the 60th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. Wow. Now, I'm old enough to remember the day. Yeah. I was in first grade. So, of course, left an indelible mark on me. And, you know, there has been so much written, filmed, biographies, documentaries, you name it. Well, now there's something new on uh, Hulu. It's called JFK One Day in America. And it's short. It's only three episodes, 45 minutes each. And what they do is they bring witnesses There's only a few people that are still alive who were there. So they have Jackie Kennedy's Secret Service agent. They have um, a guy who was with Westinghouse Westinghouse News, CBS News, who's still alive. These people are in their 90s now. 
there's a, a, a wife and a mother, a very famous photograph at Dealey Plaza where the shooting happens, and they jumped on their little kids and covered them to protect them. Hmm. And it goes through this day, three episodes of this day, and all these different voices. It's fabulous. In the hopes of, like, coming up with who really did it or just no? no. Yeah. I mean, because I started to watch this, and I said to my, my, one of my kids, you want to watch this? He had zero interest in it, hmm. which to me is like one of the seminal events in American sure. life. It is. I mean, it's still talked about. I mean, it's still debated. Cyril Weck and the magic right. bullet and all that. Anyway, the archival footage of Jackie, no. they, go, they go almost hour by hour. And there she is in that little pink outfit with the pillbox hat. Yep. It's just really fascinating. So it's on Hulu, JFK, One Day in America. Yeah. Um, I've been watching The Great British Baking Show, <laughs> which is the like if everything whenever there's anything wrong in life, you should just put it on. Just be happier. My sister loves this. show. It's so wonderful. I've never seen one episode. It's the it's the most encouraging, uplifting. Really? Like it's not like any of the other baking sh- or yeah. cooking shows where like you know everyone's miserable and weeping and right, right, there's right, right, right. you know gnashing of People teeth, screaming. It's and like the opposite of that. It's lighthearted. Um, it's silly, but what they're doing is so difficult, and they do it all for the purpose of. No winning, which is not getting no money whatsoever. Right. All you do is get a cake, food. all you do is get a cake plate hmm. and some flowers. The British it's it's so streaming gr- where uh, on Netflix. Okay, the British baking. How many how many seasons? Oh, I don't know. I'm in I'm in eight right now. Wow. There's probably thirteen or fourteen. Okay. What was the best news you heard this week? Again, this is a general sort of thing that I've been going through. There has been so so much pain and death and sickness and all this machinations of brokenness that I've been surrounded by recently. But in the midst of all that, the, the, the opposite of all that is the beauty and the grace and the love and the certainty of God in this world and his promise of life ever, ever after with him. I mean, that, I, that's been running through me. One side of this blackness, the other side of this incredible and beautiful light of Jesus Christ in my life. And that's the best news that I think I'll hear this week and the next week until I take my last breath. Hmm. Well, the best news I heard this week, I shared it in the four o'clock hour, is um, going for a tasting for my daughter's wedding on mm-hmm. Sunday. We're going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's hopefully so it much won't, fun. Won't turn out like Parks and Rec. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. What have you been listening to? Oh, we talked about this on yesterday's show. Um, Tracy Chapman. Yep. 35 years after the yep. fact, her song essentially wins Best Country Song of the Year. Uh, yes, Song of the Year at yeah. the uh, Country Music Association Awards. Which, to be honest, I don't really like when people cover songs. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah, okay. Because you always kind of have the original stuck in your head. So mm-hmm. last night we were talking about this, and uh, I played this. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make 
myself, I got nothing to prove. See, the song has such pathos, such longing in it to, to, to run, to flee, to reinvent. Yep. Right? This couple on a run. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. 35 years after the fact, it still holds That's strong. That's just amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, this is another old song. Not uh, probably that old. Really? Yeah. Whoa, whoa. We got to rock it one time for the record. Whoa, whoa. Early morning record style. <laughs> hey, I don't drink coffee. I take tea, my dear. <laughs> I like my toast on on one side But you can hear it in my accent when I talk I'm an Englishman in New York You see me walking down Fifth Avenue I walk in cane here at my side I take it everywhere I walk I'm an Englishman in New York Whoa, I'm an alien, I'm a legal alien, I'm an Englishman in New York. That's fabulous. Isn't that and so good? Cover. Listen, that is Sting and Shaggy. It's probably four or five years old, but it's from Tiny Desk. It's just outstanding. Hey, yo, and you might notice there's a swag in time I walk. I'm a Jamaican in New York. Well, Friday afternoon, there are plenty of things to do this weekend, mm-hmm. or nothing, if sure. you choose to do that as well. Uh, how about the Pittsburgh Opera? They are staging Wagner's The Flying Dutchman for the first time in more than 20 years. It's one of these mm-hmm. classic pieces of German opera. It's a favorite of the Metropolitan Opera in New York City. You probably want to pronounce that Wagner, mm-hmm. though. Yes, not mm-hmm. Wagner. Yeah, right? that's all right. Uh, it will be at the um, Benedum. Uh, Saturday through uh, Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Flying Dutchman. An intriguing blend of dance styles hits the Kelly Strayhorn Theater as part of the Pearl Diving Movement Residency, Pittsburgh's own Stacy Pearl Dance Project. Uh, they're going to have a mix of ballet and uh, break dance and uh, you name it, hip-hop and Indian classical traditions. The show is tomorrow night at the aforementioned Kelly Strayhorn in East Liberty. You know, I've never been in there. Haven't you? You sure? I, I know. I can't believe it. It's it's embarrassing. It's a great theater. I'm, I'm sure it yep. is. Acclaimed indie pop group, the Ladybug Transistors Fall Tour. 
I'm not familiar with the lady. lady Lex, are you familiar with the ladybug transistors? Not at all. They're okay. an acclaimed indie group. Okay. Uh, they have uh, just five dates, and one of them is at the Andy Warhol Museum. The group, which formed in Brooklyn in the 1990s, uh, will play their hits. But apparently, you and Kath and Lexi and I, we know none of those. That's but, too uh, bad. That's at the Warhol. Uh, visual artist, Brooklyn-based artist Tim Okamura's vision of women samurai sparks the first ever solo exhibition in the United States at the August Wilson African American Cultural Center. It starts tonight and runs uh, through next Tuesday as well. Mm. Green and Blue, it's a play about the border conflict between Ireland and Northern Ireland. A rare chance to see Belfast's Kabosh Theater in Pittsburgh. And uh, they will be at the City Theater as part of a national tour. Four performances started yesterday through um, um, Sunday. Okay. Interesting. Any okay. plans for yourself other um, than the aforementioned? Well, we got to got to do the wedding thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's still yard work going on at I'm the Emmons household. Work. Leaves and yep. more leaves. Yep. How yep. about your gutters? Uh, the gutters. Ooh. I don't know where we are with the gutters, yeah. but I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, it's part of the thing. I don't really know what to say. With the swapping gutters. out. We swapped out the screens and yeah. uh, but, you know, that whole mm-hmm. thing. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to commit myself to all of that. Plus, I'm doing a little. Um, I'm trying to get rid of stuff in my basement. I don't know how else to say it. What, just are you heading I've, out to Goodwill I've, or whatnot? Yes, yes. I've mm. just got too much stuff down there. Yeah, I get it. And so I need to start to thin yeah. the herd of stuff. I've that been doing that myself. Just abides right. there. Yeah, because it's off. I've got, I've got not one, but two extra large bird cages. Oh, well, I sure would love one. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody out there, you're right. more than welcome. You want to give me your uh, treadmill, too? Mm. <laughs> Just it's, it's sitting up. It's it's out of the way. It's, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Why do you want a treadmill? Well, I was thinking about really. It. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, whatever you're doing this weekend, hope you have an opportunity to uh, to worship on Sunday or Saturday, wherever it is you are. Uh, all praise and glory to Christ. Mm-hmm. Have yourself a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thank you. See you Monday. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.